Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hello, this is Brian Tatler from Diamond Head, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. What an honor. On this episode, uh, a guy I've been trying to get for a long time, Brian Tatler from Diamond Head is here. And wow, uh, amazing to talk with this guy. And before we get into that interview, I want to say that we just heard the song It's Electric off of Lightning to the Nations by Diamond Head from 1980. Emily is hanging out with me here. Emily, how are you? I'm good, but I'm having a hard time. The Oscars are on tonight, and we're right. we're taping this during the Oscars. Well, you, you know I'm a big fan right. of the Oscars. I do know that. And and we hadn't had you on an episode in a while, and people were getting a little upset that you haven't been on, on the show. So I'm going to leave you to the Oscars in a minute. Um, but I did want to sneak up here into the bedroom where you and Pearl are camped out uh, on the bed watching the Oscars. And yeah, so we, we go to a lot of shows. I feel like we've gotten a lot of tickets, uh, lately. We have ministry. Yeah. I'm so excited. We have potentially Sammy Hagar and White Snake and Night Ranger. We have Def Leppard, Motley Crue. We have Ozzy. Let's talk Ozzy for a second. Can we? Overkill. Because Mark and I were, yeah, Overkill. Don't, don't just breeze over that one. Cause that's one, always one of my favorite shows. Overkill. Love them so much. Um, Bobby Blitz is everything. Um, but let's talk about Ozzy. What does everyone think? I mean, okay, I'll be honest. I think the Parkinson's has been there for years, and I think I've said that to you for mm-hmm. a while. And I think it may have been diagnosed a while ago, and it's his own business. It's no one else's business. But I think the diagnosis, diagnosis only came out recently, and... Um, some of that was business, I believe, you know, some of like that was Sharon saying, I don't want to share this information too early. Right. Do you think he's going to make our show? I don't know, because they asked him that when he was on the red carpet at the Grammys and he didn't give like a definitive yes. You know, he was like, oh, we'll kind of see how I'm feeling type of thing. And listen, it's 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 obvious that he's got a cane that you know june isn't really that far away i mean i i don't know how i don't know what we should expect kind of disease let's talk about other people in the rock scene who have had parkinson's judas priest right glenn tipton right michael j fox it can happen that kind of um who's downhill slope in their physical abilities can happen very quickly and it's very much out of their hands. So it it's heartbreaking to me from one perspective. I just want the best for him. I don't give a shit. I've seen Ozzy. How many times have I seen Ozzy? 12 times? I don't 13 know. A lot. Times. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I go to support him because I love him. Do I need to see another show? Is it going to be something different? Probably not. Although I love the new stuff. I love the new material. And we've talked about how would they deliver it. Um, some of the new material is very... Right. I, I don't think they're going to play any new material. That's just my my thing. That's a band that, that is a different from the live band. And let's face it, if we just get him doing the, the old material, I think yeah. we're going to be lucky. Uh, we could potentially get one song, maybe Under the Graveyard or something, but I, I kind of yeah. don't know. And I think that this will be my prediction is knowing that they've come out and and 
said that he has this this Parkinson's and that, you know, he's out there with the cane and now we know why he was sitting down during the Post Malone performance at the American Music Awards and even in the video for what's the what's that one video? Um I don't know. That one video that he he came out with recently, music video, he's he's sitting in that. Like on too. a park bench or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah, I, I, I think this, if if he does tour, this will, in my opinion, be probably the last time we all get to see him. So let's wait and see, see if it happens, you know? Yeah, I just, I don't even care. I just want him to feel good. And I, I'm heartbroken if he doesn't, right? Because right? his fans are, we are eternally on his side. I, none of us. Give me one. Give me an example of one Aussie fan who's gonna bitch. They he, do though. They do. You know what? Well, yeah. screw them. They're they not do. real I Aussie mean, fans. I, I they read don't this love stuff him on then. social Guess media. And, yeah. You know what? Screw them. Go you're to not, the talking you're not metal an Aussie YouTube fan. page. They're already like I. I put up a video where I was talking about. You know, we don't. Basically, what you're saying, we don't. We don't care if if he gets up there with a, a cane. It's okay. And people were bitching and moaning about. You know that. what? Yeah. If you care about your own you know, getting off on watching Ozzy Osbourne on stage more than his health and happiness as a human being. You don't love Ozzy. You right. don't. You're not a real Ozzy fan. Right. So you know what? Let's think about Ozzy before you're, oh, I need a night out to see Ozzy play again. No, you right. don't. Just just pray for him and his family and let him be well and healthy. Right. And, you know, he's not going to ever be healthy again because honestly, it is a... It's a disease that kind of gets worse over time. I just pray for his comfort, right? I don't want him to be uncomfortable. And the thought of him being uncomfortable is bad to me. Absolutely. I'm with you 100%, Emily. And we shall see. June 22nd is when the rescheduled Ozzy Osbourne date is to take place at Madison Square Garden. And Emily, we have third row. So, you know uh, what? You know, but if it let's happens, see. yes. Yeah, we will see. If it doesn't happen, God bless him. I love him so much. Absolutely. His family. Absolutely. And let's keep this great Diamond Head music going. This is Call Me off of the Borrowed Time record. I believe Borrowed Time was like 80. 82, I want to say. Great stuff. Again, Diamond Head here on Talking Metal. Stay tuned for the interview with Brian from Diamond Head. Four o'clock in the morning now And I can't sleep for love Been waiting for you to call
By Diamond Head. Right on. And we're going to get into this uh, interview with Brian from Diamond Head, the guy I've wanted on the show for a long time, Brian Tatler. And big thanks to Patrick for really lighting a fire under my ass to get this interview uh, secured and take place. Uh, I'm sorry, Patron, Patrick is a patron. Patrick the patron and again thanks man because if it weren't for you who knows if we would have gotten Brian because I really I feel like I owe it to the people on Patreon to make their uh, their wishes come true and listen I know you wanted this interview I wanted this interview Patrick and here we go Brian from Diamond Head finally on the podcast a living legend guys this is Diamond Head from 2019 with The Messenger and after that, we will hear my interview with Brian from Diamond Head.
Okay, here we go. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and I am truly honored to have on the line with us a, a, a legend, Brian Tatler from Diamond Head. Brian, how are you? I'm all right. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for saying that. Uh, it's nice to speak to you. Yeah, I've been a longtime fan going way, way back, and I, I definitely want to talk to you about about your just incredible history. But let's talk about more recent times uh, right now, because less than a year ago, Diamond had delivered a really great record, The Coffin Train. And I, I have to tell you, I really like the diversity of the record, because when I first listened to it um, a number of months back at this point, you know, Belly of the Beast kicks it off. And to me, that's got that real diamond head spirit. It's, and, and I know the self-titled record that you'd done back in 2016, yeah. it seemed like there was uh, an, an effort to kind of stay on, on course with, well, this is what diamond head needs to sound like. And correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, but with Coffin Train, I felt like you guys, because Belly of the Beast, again, to me, that sounded classic diamond head. But then it goes some other places. You know, I, I yeah. felt like, you know, the sleeper, um, shades of, of black. I mean, I, I heard some some purple, some Led Zeppelin, maybe even like Soundgarden at times, and that may be the yeah. vocals, but it really seemed yeah. to go some different places. So do you feel the Coffin Train, you kind of were maybe a little more diverse with this album than you were with the 2016 self-titled one? Yes, I think we were. I think we were a bit a bit more bold, a bit a bit more confident. Um because the 2016 album there'd been a long gap between that one and the previous album which was uh 2007 uh, and we had this new singer Rasmus. So I think uh the general idea was was not to to lose any of our fans and uh uh, sort of make the kind of album that a Diamond Head fan might like, but also I think Raz wanted to, uh, in, in a word, ingratiate himself with the fans. The last thing he wanted to do is ruin the legacy right. and and have the Diamond Head fans that we've we've got say, I don't like the new thing, I don't like the new album, you know. So sort of it was coming from that kind of of angle, you know, to try and um, just just make make the right sort of album, go go back to the classic Diamond Ed that people obviously liked with Likeness of the Nations and Borrowed Time and, and sort of sort of, you know, make that kind of record rather than just experiment and be be now and be modern and you know, you can do that. But we thought now let's uh let's sort of tailor the record so that it sounds very Diamond Head and, and just see how it's received. Right. And it was received very well. And so I think that gave us the confidence to, okay, we can branch out a little more. We can be a tiny bit more modern. You know, some of that stuff I was writing in 2016, so it's a bit more up-to-date. And uh, and and I think you're right, you know, it, it does, you know, it's a bit of Soundgarden influence coming in vocally. And and uh, it just it just became a bit more, you know... Um, epic and we're not afraid to do like a few more slower songs and things like that yeah so i'm glad i'm just really really pleased that people like both the records and that raz has been so well uh accepted by the fans i mean raz's voice is just insane i mean it's so good mm -hmm. he's got 
he's got this just he hits those notes but there's this emotional quality to it yeah. too which i i think a lot of times you get a good singer and they're pitch perfect and they can hit all the notes but they don't have that that emotional quality that sucks the listener yeah. in and he has that and i agree i and, agree it's a fantastic find i'm i'm very lucky to have, to have uh, found him and he just re, you know he really suits diamond head and that we can write together and work together has been a, a real bonus. Uh, so it's all going well. Absolutely. And you've kind of been on a, uh, a real creative uh, role here with two albums, you know, within yeah. the last, like, what, three and a half years, I guess, at this point. <laughs> are, are, is this going to keep going? Are you thinking more new music in another year or so, or is two enough? It's, no, no, it's it's possible. Uh, I, I'm always coming up with little ideas. Uh, I've got a little, little home studio, so I put down ideas when they come to me. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's no immediate plan for new material. We're, um, we, we plan to record some stuff soon, but I don't know exactly uh, when, when, you know, it will, it will develop and, and things like that. So... Uh, I'm not quite sure at the moment, but but it's it's definitely a, you know, the door's open. We're positive about moving forward. We've already you know booked gigs into 2021, and the really band well. will just continue until uh, either we don't want to do it anymore, or, or just people stop coming to see the band, you know, or buying the record. So while while it's all going well, and we've 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 got a good label behind us. We've got management now with uh, Siren Management. Uh, we're, we're very positive and we're looking forward to the future and, and uh, see what, what it holds. Awesome. And the immediate future is more gigs in 2020. I know you're going out with Saxon for yeah. a while. What else is going on for you guys in this year? Uh, yeah, we've got some big festivals again. I mean, we did some big festivals Last year, we've done a few over the over the past few years, all across Europe. Um, we did we did uh, a couple in in the US as well. We did um, Rocklahoma and uh, we did Psycho Las Vegas. Right. But we've got um, we've got Bang Your Head Festival in Germany coming up. Uh, we've got one in Barcelona called Rockfest. We've got Bloodstock again, which uh, we played. I think three years ago or something like that, four years ago, uh, and we were on the Sophie Lancaster stage, where this time we were on the main stage. Nice. Uh, we were on the Saturday night, I believe, and uh, so that's going to be great. We're really looking forward to that. We've also got a cruise um, in, in Finland. Uh, like a, It's called the Wacken okay. Full Metal Cruise. Oh, wow, that's, that sounds <laughs> Which, fun. Yeah, I'm not not done that before so that that sounds exciting we're looking forward to that and we've also been offered a date in brazil and the band's never been to south america before so wow. we're just about to finalize that all being well and um that that'd be exciting yeah absolutely wow you guys have never been to south america that's, that's nope wow, never that's been. Crazy. And well, we've had numerous requests from from promoters and fans saying you know come over but it's just sorting out the details and you know how, how it's all going to work it's it, it, it's it's always the detail the devil's in the detail right on right on and so so 2020 sounds like it's uh filling up and going to be a busy year yep. for you it is also the 40th anniversary of the legendary album 
lightning to the nations. <laughs> any, any plans to celebrate that pretty big anniversary? Yeah, we're, we're planning to do some shows uh, later in the year where we will play the whole album as a 40th anniversary kind of uh, show. And, and I've already been thinking about that. You know, we'll probably play some new stuff and then play the whole of the Light into the Nations album uh, to finish uh, finish a set. So I think uh, that'll be good. And uh, it's we've just got to actually do that. I mean, we're, we're only in February now. Uh, so I think that'll be later in the year. Um, we, we won't be doing it on a festival show because right. normally you get about an hour max, maybe 45 minutes. So it would be on our own gigs. But we have got some later in the year, and uh, we do have... We, you've got to mark the occasion. We Absolutely. did in 2010, when it was 30 years old, we did some special gigs with where we played the whole album, and it was great. Because, you know, it's seven, seven good songs, one after another, and uh, yeah. the punters really, uh, really went for it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I mean... As a as a kid hearing that record, and I, I have to admit, you know, I I, I heard the Metallica. Uh, I had bought the Creeping Death sig- Signal, right. uh, flipped yeah. it over, heard this song, which I thought was one of their their greatest songs. Then I find <laughs> out it's actually a Diamond Head song. So we tracked down Diamond Head at our local record yeah. store, and and it was the rawness of the Lightning to the Nations album that made it just feel so real and, right. and and great and intense and it was almost like underproduced you know like so many of those yeah. 80s rock records were like overproduced C- can you talk a little bit about recording that record do you have memories of going into the studio and, and laying down those tracks yeah i've only got a, a few memories i mean 40 years old. we were all about 19 years old when we made that record i can remember it was done at the old smithy studio in worcester um it, and there was a residential area where you could go and stop the night. So we stayed for exactly one week. We had a week to record and mix it. Uh, so the pressure was on to get it down pretty quickly. But all the songs on that album, the seven songs, we'd already played live. And we'd had some of them for a couple of years. So we, we were fairly well rehearsed. Uh, I do remember the drummer, Duncan, uh, when he first heard the click track coming down his headphones. He didn't know what it was. and wow. uh, You know, they're like, it's like a, usually a cowbell playing one, two, three, four. And, and uh, <laughs> he wasn't used to playing to a click track. Uh, so it completely put him off. And we had to abandon the click track. And we, we, in the end, we didn't use a click track on any of the songs because... Uh, I mean, if he'd been used to it and been practicing maybe at home to a click track and in rehearsal, a different matter. But to suddenly pop the headphones on and a, and a click track appears when you're about to record a take was just too much for him. So <laughs> the poor chap, uh, we, had, we had to say, no, we'll do without the click track. Thanks very much. Which is, which is very <laughs> interesting for me to hear because, you know, as somebody who studies music, um, you know, I mentioned the rawness of that record. Yeah. And yeah. when you don't have a click track, the tempos tend to, well, to well, sway well, yeah. and move. And there's something yeah. that, that, that gives it more of a, a 
human element in some yes. in some ways. And I think, yes. you know, that's it's very interesting tidbit you gave us there because I, I hear that. You know, I hear that there yep. there's a there's something alive about that record that all yes. these years and later a, just a song like Am I Evil has a lot of tempo changes anyway. I think it's got about four or five tempo changes. So you'd have had to write quite a complicated click to to move up and down over the seven minutes forty seconds. Anyway, uh, and I, I, I mean, people would do it now probably because you've got everything to, to the grid and right. you, with Pro Tools, it makes it easier if it's all perfectly in time. But then maybe it was more about the feel and the vibe and we, we'd just go for it really. And uh, if, as long as you hadn't really screwed it up, you'd be happy with the take, you know, it would have an energy to it and a a, a vibe because we'd all be in the room together we'd all you know the drums would be set up and we'd all be looking at each other sean would be singing the vocal and uh, there'd be nods going on you know chorus coming up and things like that uh so it was pretty live and then we'd just redo like probably the guitar and the vocal um, and if there was a mistake on the bass, probably maybe drop right. in and out, something like that. But it, it was very, you know, like you say, raw, and, and we didn't hang about. We we got it done pretty quickly. So at that time in rock history, we saw, you know, Led Zeppelin was kind of going more commercial. Bands like Kiss were, you know, embracing, you know, disco sounds and also going more commercial. <laughs> yeah. Sabbath yeah. was was seemed to be falling apart. Uh, but punk was kind of on the rise. And there was this real do-it-yourself attitude, yeah. you know, street-smart punk thing going on. How aware of were you guys of that as teenagers? I mean, you had to know, hey, this punk thing's happening and we're doing rock, but, you know, did that influence your sound and your your attitude? It did, definitely. Um, Diamond Head formed in 1976, and we, we only wanted to be a rock band. Uh, we, we were kind of wanted to emulate our heroes, like you mentioned, Zeppelin, Sabbath, Purple, and and then in 77, the following year, along comes punk rock in the UK. So suddenly, there's these bands on the TV. I remember watching Sex Pistols and uh, The Jam and The Adverts and all these bands. And I really liked the punk scene. I thought the energy was was amazing. And I'd had, I'd had enough of a big, long... Uh, you know, almost pretentious uh, tracks from some of these bands, you know, like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and, right. uh, you know, Genesis and stuff. You know, I'm a big Genesis fan, but I think it, there comes a time where I can't play anything like, you know, Genesis or, you know, Yes or Pink Floyd. But I thought, I, oh, I can play like, the Sex Pistols, you know, I can play like the Ramones, I can do what he's doing, this guy, and that was quite inspirational to, it's almost like a kick in the pants to sort of just just to do it yourself, vibe. go and do it book a gig, play in your local pub up the road you know, don't right. don't worry about uh, becoming you know, a virtuoso on the guitar, Richie Blackmore or Steve Howe, just just go, just play three, you know, three chords and riff out. And so 
I, I didn't want to be a punk, but we our music was was pretty fast and raw and and exciting. We soon we learned pretty quickly that if you play fast songs and you know shake your hair, go for it, have put a lot of work into the show, then it, the audience would respond. Uh, so we weren't just going to stand there and play slow, boring, twenty-minute songs. We wanted to. You know, power power through and get get whip the crowd up. So I think I think we took we took some of the the punk energy uh, and added it to our own kind of style where we wanted to be. You know, the greatest band of all time. But yeah. but we were kind of you know we didn't know how to get there. But when you're only going to play a small gig in front of maybe 20, 30 people who don't know any of your songs. You, you know, you want a result right there and then. You want them to go away saying, that was brilliant. Uh, and so I think we, we borrowed some of the energy from the punk movement. Absolutely. And a couple uh, other questions about that actual record, Lightning to the Nations. Of course, Metallica famously went on to cover, I think, four of those seven yep. songs, right? Fantastic. Uh, we mentioned Am I Evil? And I, I know you and, and Sean wrote that together. What is that yep. song about? Did, were you involved with the lyrics at all, or was that just Sean? Because I, 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 for no. many years, my mother was a witch. She was burned alive. Yeah. Like, what, what's the story behind that? Do you it's know a, much? Of... It's a great lyric. It, it's very, um, it, it's shocking for the time, for 1980. That's quite a lyric. Uh, it's, I, I'm not really sure what it's about. I'm, um, I know he once mentioned something about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, but okay. I don't see how that fits in. Um, I think I, another interview I saw, Sean mentioned that he, he said, once I'd come up with that riff, the Am I Evil riff, he had to write something suitably sort of evil, demonic, to, you know, to fit with that that riff. So, And he certainly did, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, as a writing team, we did work very well together. We, I always felt uh, we both had our strengths. Uh, he, was, he was very good at, you know, lyrics and things. I was good at the music. And, and between us, you know, arrangements and ideas, we, you know, we were very complimentary. And uh, we wrote a lot of songs together uh, so, and learned our craft, really, just, you know, by trial and error. And just recording right bit on. by bit. I, and I yeah. probably should have re researched this ahead of time, but I, I didn't. What what what's Sean up to nowadays? Do you hear from him at all? No, I don't. We we kind of you know keep our our own company. Um, I haven't seen him even for a few years. I, I, we both went to that Metallica 30th anniversary at, in San Francisco, and we we got up and played the the four covers that they've done with Metallica, so that was fantastic, but that was 2011, so I've seen him once or twice since then, uh, we, we sort of don't, you know, uh, all, all I know is that he, he just continues to write songs for himself, really, he doesn't write for anyone else, and, uh, but he, do, strangely enough, he doesn't make records, and he, does, uh, he doesn't do any gigs, he just seems to be constantly writing uh and 
I don't know what for. I don't know what he's waiting for or he's expecting to happen with these songs. But, um, you know, we're not getting any younger. I think right. it's it's better to just get on with it and release stuff. You know, we've released four albums um, without Sean. Yeah. Uh, Diamond Head has. So, I, well, Sean hasn't released anything since the last thing he released, I think, was 1998. Three, which was the Death and Progress album, uh, the, the the fourth Diamond Head album. Okay. So uh, I've not heard anything he's done since then. Right, right. And just a few more um, little nuggets about that, that album and that time frame. You know, I, I listened to, like, the song Sucking My Love, and there's there's this one part in that song, in the guitar solo, it sounds striking. It's a very brief part, but it sounds strikingly familiar to the uh, the breakdown in Iron Maiden's Phantom of the Opera song. And, <laughs> I like that track. It's yeah, a good track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a I, similar. I don't know. I, I can't remember. You know, copying it really. I mean, it might just be. Well, maybe they copied you. That was my question because oh, those be. those two records came out at like the same time. And yeah, and be. I was wondering how how much association you had with Maiden back in those days. I mean, you're both considered uh, a new lot. wave of British, uh, British heavy metal. I, I remember seeing a re, an interview with Steve Harris where he he liked Diamond Head. He said he thought Diamond Head were going to be a big band, uh, but uh, we only really supported them the one time. We played Lyce, the Lyceum in London. Uh, they headlined, and we went on first, uh, but. It would have been nice to go out on tour and do do a load of dates with them, but Diamond, it's you know, as they conquered the world, we kind of fell apart in in the mid eighties, and uh, it, it was a real shame. But um, you know, Maiden of Maiden's career is is incredible. Um, how they've continued and continued to make records and and get bigger and bigger, and uh, you know, take take that that style of music all over the world. And it, it's an incredible feat. I mean, they had a great manager and they had, they're on EMI, but even so, the work ethic in the band is yeah. obviously fantastic. And uh, it's they're very dedicated to what they do. Right on. And how about some of those other quote-unquote new wave of British heavy metal bands? Were you friends with, with Leopard or Saxon or Raven or any of those guys? We we bumped into a few of them from time to time. We we always seem to meet up with Girls School and Angel Witch. Um, we met uh, Def Leppard. They came to see us at a gig in Sheffield, and we had a chat. You know, we all shook hands, and there was a mutual kind of appreciation going on. Uh, but we never got to tour with with any of the bands really. We, we support, you know, we'd go out with bands, we supported Black Sabbath, we were lucky to do that, and we did a couple of dates. Was that with Dio? Was that with Dio uh, was in the band? That, or? Funnily enough, it was Ian Gillen. Ian, right. It was sure. 83, so it was the Born Again right. album and tour. So it was a bit of an unusual lineup with Ian Gillen and Bev Bevan on drums. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was still like a huge tour playing to like 10,000 people. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, we, we weren't overly friendly with the other New Obham bands. I always think we'd go and see them. We'd check them out when they'd come round and play the Midlands. And uh, we'd pretty much stand there with our arms folded, waiting right. to be impressed, you know, because we, we thought we were good. We were very confident in, in our abilities 
And half the time we would think we're better than these guys. Uh, we were looking high, really high. We wanted to be like Led Zeppelin or something, you know, sure. or Sabbath. We wanted to sell millions of records and conquer the world. We weren't, we weren't content to just be like a good band from Birmingham or something, or as big as as um, nuts or something. You know, right. we wanted to be the greatest band of all time. <laughs> we right aimed very high. Yep. You know. Yeah, I hear you. And uh, Brian, it's been great talking with you. Before I let you go, I just I always have to ask my fellow guitar players about their their gear because you have such okay. a great great tone on on the coffin Thank train you. um what are you what are you playing out of guitar wise and amp wise that that that's mainly my 79 les paul which which is a really nice you know gibson les paul standard right most of the guitars were done with that i've also uh, uh i've got a 96 les paul i use Abs used to use his. He's got a John Sir and a Custom, uh, but most of the guitars again were done with, with this amp I've, I've got called a Cornford, which is a UK company. Okay. Uh, it's a Cornford MK fifty, so it's a fifty watt head, and we just put that through. There was this orange cab at the studio which we really like, because I've got a couple of nice Marshall cabs, but we A-B'd them with this orange cab, and we thought the orange cab sounded better. Okay. Um, we also used a diesel VH4 for when when we needed loads more gain for, say, solos and things. Um, but the, this Cornford, uh, it's very impressive. I mean, it's old now. It's, um, it's probably 1999, so it's 20 years old, but it's got it almost sounds like a marshal that's got about to explode. Right. It's, it's, it feels like it's on fire somehow. It's almost like the the perfect marshal um, because it's got a lot of mid. Uh, it's got gain without it being fizzy or fuzzy. You know, I mean, guitarists are notoriously fussy, as you know, and we can we can search forever for that perfect sound. But um, I'm happy with this Cornford. I, I really like it. So it I'll sounds. Keep I'll keep expecting it to explode one right. day, and and then it don't sound the same. But so far, so good. Touch wood and all that. <laughs> so when you're in the studio, you're putting a mic up in front of that cabinet. There's no direct Kemper stuff or anything like nah. that. It's all. You think I've you can hear that on the album? Yeah. There's no Kempers or Axe Effects or anything right. like that. I mean, one day we may end up down that route because uh, you know a lot of bands are using those amps now and i think the, the the choice you know the variety that you can dial up is, is incredible but i still think there's something about a marshall or a, you know a good sounding valve amp where you just cranked up a bit and the volume and the way it it, uh, it reacts with the speaker this it is it's what i've been listening to it's what we've all been listening to for you know 50 odd years right and it's hard, it's hard to replicate that I hear you, and I agree. And Brian, it's been a, a true honor to speak with you. Again, we wish you, you all the luck in the world. And Thank you. we are looking forward to everything you have in store. And we're going to check out some more music off the coffin train right now on Talking Metal. And uh, again, thank you for your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. A canvas made of skin And painted by the tears 
Diamond Head, the title track, The Coffin Train, off their 2019 release. And wow, what an interview. What a great interview with Brian from Diamond Head. Thank you, Patrick, from Patreon for requesting that and lighting a fire under my ass to make it make it happen. Uh, thank you for your patience, Patrick. I know you requested it a while ago, and we have been in touch with Brian's people for quite some time trying to line that up, so I'm glad it finally happened. Right now, let's get into a classic by Diamond Head.
little diamond head here on Talking Metal. We're going to wrap things up here. A couple more songs. This is Women in Chains by Pete Way from UFO. His band Wasted, a band I once saw open for Iron Maiden back in the day. This is off of uh, the Wasted album called Vices. And again, it features Pete Way from UFO fame. And the song, love this song, Women in Chains. Good stuff. Good stuff. Probably not PC. Not these days, but... Man, the PC police, they drive me nuts. I, I, women in Chains, it's all good. If, you know, listen, as long as no one's getting hurt, uh, I think it's all good.
little wasted here on Talking Metal. To wrap things up, we're doing a little uh, more music by an ex-UFO member, this time Michael Shanker. This is Lost Horizons. I love this song. <laughs> One of my favorite rock songs. Here we go. Michael Shanker, a little MSG here on Talking Metal. Talking Metal. 